All right. Well, you may be seated. If you remember last time we was here, we uh, didn't finish all of chapter six. So what I'm going to do is kind of do a quick review of uh, some of the things that was talked about in chapter six. And then uh, we'll finish up chapter six and then probably get through a part of chapter seven. These are some pretty long chapters, so we won't get it all tonight. But if you remember, chapter six started off with, you know, Jesus feeding the 5,000. And, uh, and after he fed the 5,000, you know, and uh, had leftovers and things of that, and the people started following him based upon that uh, uh, miracle that he performed. Then shortly after that, you know, he walked on water, and we, we, we saw that took place. And then he got into this long discord where he started uh, uh, comparing himself, as similar to what he had, that discord with the woman at the well, when he started talking about himself as being the bread of life, the bread of life. And the more he started talking about himself as being the bread of life, the deeper the conversation got because, you know, he started comparing himself to when, you know, the manna that came from heaven and, and that, you know, and, and Moses them manna, those people who took part of that still died. But he said, hey, he's the bread of life you eat for, from him, you will live eternally. And so that kind of upset some of the people that heard that because anytime you would say something that, you know, seemed like he was taking a jab at Moses, these people would get offended. And so after that uh, discourse, when we started looking down at the, uh, the last part uh, of where we finished up last time in verse 57 through 59, I'll read just real quick because it kind of leads into what happens next. He says, I live uh, because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, uh, but will live forever. So anyone who eat of him, he was trying to get them to see, say, hey, I'm the bread of life. I have eternal life for you. And so therefore you will live forever. As always, when Jesus started talking deeply spiritual things, people understood it in the natural. And anytime he started talking about eternal life and eating him as the bread of life, their natural minds could not wrap, wrap around that thought process. So therefore, they immediately will come against him. And so that's what we see here tonight, because he was saying certain things that contradicted what they had been taught or what they had been thinking, or they just couldn't wrap their mind around. When we see in verse 60, you know, we start tonight when it says, after Jesus said those things about living forever in the manner that they got in the wilderness, um, he said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in, in Capernaum. And then now verse 60 is what we want to pick up. It says, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can we accept it? Now these are people who are following him but they have looked like some of them major was following him for the wrong reason. Now, these are the people that seen the miracle, that seen some of the things he did, that figured out that he walked on water. But then when he started talking about being the bread of life and eating of him and having eternal life, it says many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can we accept it? Well, that's a true statement. If you don't understand something, it's going to be hard to accept what you don't understand. So that's why when we are dealing with God's word, we have to kind of look at God's word and not to argue with God, not to refute the word, 
but we want to read God's word to try to understand it and ask for wisdom and insight and clarity when we are reading the scriptures, when we are trying to, to, to understand what God is really trying to get us to see. And so sometimes when you don't understand a teaching in the Bible, then you may not accept it, you know, but that don't mean you, you, you come against the teacher. You, you know, you don't have to kill the teacher just because you don't like what he said based upon your level of understanding. So he says here now, these were hard, saying were very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Now look at this. Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? You know, you know. Is what I'm saying to you going to cause you to stumble? Does this offend you? Is this going to cause you to fall away and go back into unbelief? Now, let's think about that. Even today, I believe that there are a lot of people that are, to some degree, offended by the things that they don't understand about God's word. And in that offense, sometimes people will be pulled away from the word and stop following. So that's what Jesus' concern was that, hey, look, if this offend you, then is what I'm saying going to cause you to fall away? No different than when he probably told his disciples, hey, you're going to follow me. You got to take up your cross and follow me. And, and, and most of them think, hey, well, we didn't sign up for that. We thought that this was going to be another route that we can get to where we're trying to go. We didn't know that this route may contain some suffering, may contain some persecution. So he's saying, look, if this is going to offend you, and it's going to cause you to fall away, then, you know, uh, that would be an unwise decision to make. So he was coming at them hard because, again, trying to attack their unbelief. Now look at this. He says, then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? Now he said, if you can't accept what I'm saying now, then if you see me going back to heaven again... So, so he was letting them know where he came from. You didn't see me coming down, but then now, if you don't believe me, how are you going to accept when you see me leaving? And, and so what we have to see here is that, man, this word about accepting some of the things in this Bible, even for us in the natural, it's hard to wrap our mind around everything that this Bible got in it. I mean, our natural mind you know, will sometimes want to argue with what we are reading in the Word. And that's why it's important for us to try to read God with an open mind and allow our spirit to try to receive what God is saying and not our carnal mind. Because the carnal mind is not going to always receive the things of God. It's going to reject it, want to fight against it. So because there are some deep things in this Bible that is not easy to explain, that is not easy to understand. And because of that, it can cause people to want to away. And so right now, I believe that we're living in a time where people are falling away from Jesus for various reasons. I think part of it because there are other teachings out there that's easy to accept, that's easy to believe, that's easy to embrace. But when some of the things that he talks about and the things that we have to believe, where well, a natural person may say, hey, I don't need to go through all that. I would rather go to something that I can understand easier than having to be, get all spiritual, you know, and, and trying to understand deep things of God. Well, when, when we want to be shallow in the word of God, then we're not going to grow. 
in order to grow, you've got to have roots that go deeper into God's word than just at the surface. And so sometimes when we have to go below the, the surface in God's word, that's why our faith has to be expanded now to accept some things that we can't wrap our mind around. You know, and, and I read this word all the time, and there are certain things I read say, man, if I was still in the world and didn't have faith, I wouldn't believe that myself. I mean, if, if, if I was in the world, you know, knowing what I know about the ocean and the seas, if I didn't just have faith, man, I, I just wouldn't believe that Moses' head don't rot out and a sea parted and they went across on dry land. Man, there got to be some mud in there somewhere. The natural mind will say, it got to be. But when I read that, I have to embrace it from the standpoint, okay, with God, all things are possible. And so... He didn't tell me I had to understand and try to figure it out in a logical way. He just told me I had to have faith to, under, to believe in him. Brother Herb, I saw your hand. What? Get a mic, please, so that people online can hear you. Marcus, you up there? The black mic? Good, okay. Yeah, just the very beginning of the book of John, he, he states that, he introduced Jesus is the word, and the word was manifest. So, as I'm just saying at the very beginning that, that John introduced, I mean, at the very beginning of the book, Amen. John introduced him, the word, like, to me, the word. The word was the beginning. It was with God. Here he is. His manifest. What I'm trying to say to a point where he's trying to say to himself, like, he's, he's the word to me. He's the word. And now he's talking about eating me. <laughs> you got to eat. You got to eat this word to who I am. So I'm just only trying to see in your metaphor that he was also brought Jesus, introduced Jesus, that he's the word. Amen. So what he's saying now and how Jesus is introducing himself to the people, and it is hard. I mean, we got to, to understand that Jesus was manifested just, just by saying that he's the word. Amen. And, and again, that goes back to what you said in, in, when we first started John, John 1-1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And the same was with God in the beginning. So now, even that statement alone, you know, when you're talking about times past, before time even existed, Jesus said, hey, I, I was there. And, you know, and, and, and a lot of times, just that alone, no different than I tell people sometimes, you know, Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God said, or God created, God said, let there be light, and there was. You know, things like that in the Bible make you think, okay, did God really just say, let there be light, and light was? In the natural sense, well, that ain't how light is, comes about. You got to have certain things to make light possible. But in the spirit, we say, okay, the Bible already told he's God. He created everything. So why wouldn't he be able to speak certain things into existence? Okay? Now, I'm not saying that that's an either thing for us to embrace, but what I'm saying is that 
man, if we can't embrace the tougher things of God's word, then when it gets even tougher and we start talking about the resurrection and the second coming of Christ, things that, you know, you just can't wrap your mind around, then you will start doubting that. And if you start doubting any parts of God's word, it's going to be easy for people to get you to doubt all of God's word. And, and, and so as we'll see here a little bit later, I don't know if we get to it tonight or, or next week, that when people start doubting the word of God and doubting whether, it, whether or not it is true, then now that doubt was spread throughout. That's why people were talking about, remember, if you remember when they was talking about Jesus' resurrection, and someone put doubt out there in the mind of the people by saying, his disciples stole his body. All it took was just that little word getting out there. That made the Bible. His disciples stole his body. And so now, to the natural mind, yeah, that makes sense. Because I don't believe in no resurrection. So the logical answer is, that's a true statement. So if someone heard that and got taught that, and then now you got to go and try to convince them of the resurrection, it may be a hard sell. Because for them to accept that, they're going to have to acquire faith. They're going to have to believe certain things in this Bible by faith. Okay? And, and so he said, now look at this in verse 63. Well, let me read 62 again. 63. He said, then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human efforts accomplish nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So what we're trying to achieve cannot be accomplished by our own human efforts and our own mind. We're going to have to believe that God alone and the Spirit alone gives us eternal life. And so therefore, we get that by accepting Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, that's a faith move, and, then, and, and, and as a result of that, we have to start believing that on that move alone, we now have eternal life. And, and, and that's something we have to accept. And, and, and we have to proclaim that like it's true to us. I mean, we have to really embrace that as true because if not, then we're not going to be able to push the gospel and, and, and convince others to, uh, to believe something we don't believe. And I think that's why so many Christians now don't go out and, 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 and share their testimony. Don't go out and be a witness of the Lord because they can't defend what they believe. When people start asking them the tougher question, I'm not talking about just, you know, what day we worship on and all that. I'm still talking about the deeper spiritual things that, that is contained in God's word that people call into question. God having a son, you know, that could be made flesh. You know, I mean, you got to be able to defend that. You got to have the hope to believe that. And if you don't have that, the faith to believe it, you're not going to defend it. Brother Herbert, you want to say something else? Answer it before I move on. Um, Brother Major, I'm sorry. I was just, I was thinking, like we we believe some things that we don't understand in in the in the natural, and then I think sometimes we, whatever suits our lifestyle, because I think what we believe dic dictates, you know, how we act, our behavior, and if we don't want to change, 
then we'll buy into uh, mostly anything. Because there are some things that we believe in, in other than, you know, the Bible, just naturally. We believe things that we don't understand all, all the time. Amen. 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 So now look at this. I'm going to go back and read 64. He says now, but some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him. So now he has this, this, this ability, that, that divine uh, consciousness, to be able to know things because of who he is. And so he said, now look, I'm standing here talking to you, and I already know which one don't believe. I already know. You know, and I'm, I'm wondering sometimes when you stand up and you're preaching or sharing the word, can I look out in the audience and look in people's eyes and say, man, they ain't a bit more believing now? If there's something on their face to say, Pastor, I heard what you said, I heard what you read, but, man. <laughs> you know, just look at the face. You know, just look at the face. It'd be awesome. They, they ain't a bit more believe what you just read. They, they just sitting there, but they ain't, they ain't believing that. They ain't really accepting that as truth in their heart to the point that they will walk out of here and say what you just read. They ain't going to defend that. And, but, but people come to be taught, and that's why we got to keep the word before them because faith does come by hearing. And so, therefore, we keep the word before people and hoping that, with the hope that if the more they hear, the more they learn, the more they want to grow, and then they'll start, start walking by faith and not by sight. You won't have to try to see everything before you can receive it and believe it. Okay? Now, this 6 to 5, it says, this time talks about falling away. It says, then he said, that is why I said that some people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. He repeats something that he said back in verses 40, chapter 6, 44 and 45. In other words, that when it comes to accepting God, it requires God assistance. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes. It, 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 God is involved with it you know, and, and when people accept him. And he says, now, even though God is involved, God is not going to violate anyone's free will. So, so he says now, look at this. At this point, verse 66, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Let's stop right there. You know, just think about it today. Do you have some people, even in your family or friends, that you know that, man, 10 years ago they was on fire for the Lord? I mean, they were just running full speed ahead. And then all of a sudden, now you look around, they ain't there. What happened? Get a mic, get a mic. To me, I mean, that begs the question, did they ever believe? Ooh, well, that's a, that's a good question, mate. All we know is that they said they believe, and, 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 and they confessed that they believe. And I do believe that there are some people who truly believe but they truly make mistakes and they just fall away. They're going to be a falling away. Now, that get into a deeper argument. What does apostasy mean? Does it mean that I'm falling away and I'm lost forever? Or does it mean that, hey, I just got this distance between me and God. I, my salvation is still secure because, hey, I do believe that there's a God. I do believe in Jesus. But I may not want to hang out with church folk no more. I mean, 
for, for a lot I don't of know. people, Go I, ahead, know, I know for me, like, there was a point where I said, without a doubt, that was an act of God. And for me, I said, you know, I, I, I believe this because without a doubt, this was an act of God. So if I believe that, what, what would it take for me to say, I don't believe it anymore? As time goes on, you know, studying the Bible, what would, what would it take for me to say, I don't believe this anymore? Well, you know, it could be a different couple of things, Major. You know, sometimes we see that in the Bible, like even with uh, Judas, the Bible says Satan got in his heart. You know, there are certain things that can get in our heart and start causing us to doubt what we once believed was true. And, and, and then once certain things get in our heart, by nature, it's going to probably try to get us to live in a way that's contrary to the way, the way that God wants us to live. And as a result of that, the more we find ourselves living contrary to God, the more we see falling away don't just most of the time don't just happen. Most people who just stop, it don't happen. Something happened along the way long before the actual breaking up. And, and, and normally in a church, you know, as a pastor, been doing this for, you know, 28 years or so, you can kind of tell when people are starting to drift away. You can kind of sense when the fire is no longer there. And they're kind of going through the motion, and all it's going to take is one thing that goes against, you know, something that they believe or something that they once believed, or someone come and tell them something that go contrary to the word, and all of a sudden now they just start drifting away, separating themselves. And that's what the devil desires to do. He, he just want to sift you. He just want to get you to fall away, stop following the crowd that's believing it, and now get you to just drifting away out there by yourself, and sooner or later something's going to come in and, and zap. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just going to pull you away. Yes, ma'am, go ahead. Pastor, could it also be, uh, it, it could be a personal situation? Because sometimes you can be, you know, uh, full of the spirit, full of this here, but as time go by, different situations come and make you start doubting. You know, because you can say at first, yes, I'm a true believer, but then once that situation starts hitting you, that's where your doubts start coming in. Because you want to know, God, where are you? I believed in you, but where are you at now? Amen. Amen. And, 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 and know the real thing that happen in people's lives, you know. And that's why we got to let people know, good or bad, it rains on everybody. You know, everybody's going to have some bad stuff happen to them. But a lot of times when we get saved, we think now that I'm a Christian, I ain't going to get that bad stuff. You know, it looks like I'm going to be exempt from some of that. And that's why we have to go back and say that's what that cross is all about. You know, there are certain things that we have to endure just like the world has to endure. Physical death is one of those things. And I know a lot of people fall away uh, from the church when, say, for something tragic happened to a child. And a, and a parent can't understand that. And, and the first question may be, man, why would God let that happen to my child? You know? And now all it would take is the devil to get in there and say, well, why even believe in a God that can't even save your child? Brother Herb? Yeah, I, you know, we, you know, once we cross the uh, salvation, it doesn't stay there. It's, you, you still walk and be what, what we been taught and pray about and fast about being persistent. We got to continue to walk that persistent walk because the, the end is not in until he, Jesus come back. 
Amen. Until he comes back. So that means we still got to practice that salvation that we have, that we have uh, received. So it's a continuous thing. It's stay persistent that we that that, that we supposed to walk. And if if you don't stay persistent and you don't stay there, you will fall away. And you that's what happens. So we got continuously walk with that salvation persistently walk that path. We got to continue to do it. We just can't give up. And and when you to me it seemed like they gave up. Amen. They, they, they walked away. They, they gave up. And, they, and that's not what Jesus wants us to do. Be. We got to continue to walk that path. And, and that's where, you know, the Bible talks about hope. You know, sometimes the Bible even say that you got, sometimes you have to hope against hope. That's right. When it looks like all the odds are stacked against you, no way out, you still have to hold on to hope. You know, and, 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 and people do that every day, you know. Again, we know that everybody, you know, unless Jesus come back, everybody going to physically die. I mean, that's just in the cards, everybody. But nobody want to see anybody die. Nobody want to see their relative die. And then when certain things happen, it's easy to question God. Why? This person loved the Lord. This person did this. This person did that. Why? And sometimes we don't always understand why, but that don't mean we blame God. You know, because sometimes we don't have all the facts and we don't have all the things that come along with that situation. But if we are not strong in the Lord and we don't stand on this thing, then it's easy during times of trouble in your life to say, okay, man, if God can't do that, then I don't need to believe him for heaven. And, and, and it's a shame that sometimes that spirit get in people who've been coming to church for a long time, and all of a sudden they just cold turkey, I'm out. I'm, I'm just not going to embrace that anymore. And, and, that's, and it's sad uh, when that happened. But people fell away from Jesus. So if they fallen away, fell away from Jesus, they saw what he did. And then now today, you know, that I, I have to come to the conclusion that there are going to be some people that are just going to fall away. Now, I'm not trying to say whether they're going to heaven or hell. That's not the discussion here. But there are some people that are just going to fall away. I saw a hand Amen. over here. Yes, Sister. Um, just to piggyback off of what she was saying, a lot of times it comes from God just trying to get us in the position to know him. And we have to understand, just like Job, we are no different from Job. See, the adversary, the adversary has to go before God to get permission. And a lot of it comes from our breaking, him breaking us and letting us know what we're made of so we can come into our purpose. So we have to get out of that. It's only happened to the bad people or whatever, but it happened to the good, the good too. He said it rains on the just and the unjust. Amen. So a lot of things that we was, you know, taught or wasn't taught, we didn't get it until we had to get into that relationship with God. Because once you start going for God, that's when all your stuff break loose. Because now you're going to be tested. So you, oh, you believe God now. Oh, you this, oh, you that now. You're going to be challenged. And that's where it comes in when you got to be broken. Amen. You know, Pastor, uh, the, what comes to my mind John Marcus with Paul and his initial journey. And he's gone through some things. And he's seen some things. But like you said, he wasn't mature enough. And he said, look, I'm going back home. And it wasn't until later on in life that Paul said, bring, him, bring Mark to him because he's, he's worth something now. Because sometimes 
out of our own immaturity. Just like Pam said, everybody's going to go through things, but it's how do we handle all of this? Because even in Paul writes in the scriptures that if you've tasted and seen and you walk away, it's hard to come back. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah go ahead, Brother Herb. John, I got a question. Jesus already predicted that. He said he gave a parable about the seed, the soil of the seed. He threw some out there on the ground. Some fell on, on ground. And then the birds came up and ate it. There were some he threw out there. It was joyful, but it wasn't rooted. And there are some that was the ground was, was fertile and it grew. So it ha it's going to happen. <laughs> and I think that most people would say that they were so joyful to everything and something came about and just snatched, Satan just snatched them out of it. So even Jesus predicted that's going to happen. That some people would take it and some people uh, ain't going to grow because they didn't fall on good grounds. Amen. And that's the question the major was saying. I, do I have to question were they, were they really saved? <laughs> because it didn't root it in. So, he Amen. already predicted. So, so now going back to verse 66, it, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Now, let me ask this again from another point. Just think right now, how many of you, let's get modern day real life, how many of you know you know, got a friend, a family member who was on fire for the Lord, and then all of a sudden now, they done fell away. How many of you know somebody just done fell away? I mean, that, 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 that you thought would never stop coming to church, stop believing in the Lord, stop living for the Lord. Yeah, it, it happens. And, and, and sometimes when we look or take a close look at what pulled them away, it's a whole plethora of things that can pull people away, man. It's it just a whole, the devil can use so many things that can pull people away. And once, you know, sometimes you start drifting away, you get caught up in that drift and you don't want to come back. And you're ashamed to come back. Some people are ashamed to come back after they made a mistake. And so what we got to understand is that on our side, if we're still on the, on the team, on the, on, the, on the boat, we got to be willing to reach out to those folks and, and because there's still hope. You know, the Bible says, you know, a uh, 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 De a living dog is better than a dead lion, and, you know, and, and so therefore, you know, long as you're living, there's hope for a person. You know, we never give up hope, no matter what people do, you always hold out hope that one day, you know, they're going to turn on their life around again, you know. But, 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 but because what happens is, if we don't hold out hope, then we will get into the judging and condemning mode and start saying, hey, looking at that person from a whole different perspective and now not looking at them from the set that they're still a child of God. They still, there's still hope for them as long as they're living. You know. Go ahead, Major. Get a mic. I, I, was, I was thinking that, and then when I asked the question, I was like, you know, that's almost judgmental on my part to say, well, how can someone walk away? And I, and I have, I wasn't in their shoes or I'm not in their shoes. So I, I don't know what they're going through. I don't know what caused them to, to say, you know, I don't have any help, you know, I, I give up. So, I mean, it's, it's easy for me to say, man, I don't understand how they did that. And, well, I mean, 
I'm not going through what they went through. So I wouldn't understand that. So, Amen. Amen. Okay. So, so now look at this. Now, then verse 67 says, Then Jesus turned to the 12. So obviously the people that were walking away weren't the 12 right now. Okay. So he turned to the 12 and asked, Are you also going to leave? So now he puts the people that he called specifically on the spot, on the spot, and asked them. And as always, Peter jumps out there. He got the answer, you know. And, and, and this time, Peter kind of makes some sense. So, so look, he says, now he asked them, are you going to leave? Then Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? We have the words that gives eternal life. He said, man, there's nobody out there that can give us what you give us. So where are we going to go? Are we going to go to some philosopher? Are we going to go to some other rabbi? Are we going to go to some other thinker? Who are we going to turn to? I mean, we, we, we locked in. We, we believe it in you. So who are we going to turn to? To whom will we go? Because it looked like people looking for a follower. And, you know, people looking for someone to follow, let me put it that way. And so, therefore, they, Peter said, look, we think we got the best thing. So where else are we going to go? If we truly believe you are who you say you are, why would we go looking for someone else? He says, you have the words that give eternal life. Verse 69 says, we believe... And we know. Now, that's two things that we got to understand here. He says, we believe, believe who you are, but we also know. Knowledge and my belief system got to work together. So, therefore, I believe something, but in addition to believing it, there are certain things I just know. He, he says, we believe and we know you are the Holy One from God. Everybody may believe something, but they may not really know that Jesus is the one that came from God. Yes, they, they, they'd have heard that, but that don't mean they have an internal knowledge of that and can accept that in their heart and then act on what they know. And so therefore, coming to church don't automatically give you a pass. You don't pass a knowledge test just because you come to church. Yes, I mean, we, 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 we get knowledge of stuff all the time on TV and half of the stuff we see out there we don't do nothing with. So therefore, once we acquire knowledge of Christ, then now we're going to have to take that knowledge and then apply it to our daily living. Because that's how we see change. That's how we make progress as we believe. Then we know that he is the Holy One of God. If I truly believe that Jesus is the Holy One of God, nobody else can come to me talking about another God, another son, another great person, another great this. If I truly believe that he is the Holy One of God, but if there's some doubt in my mind whether or not he's the Holy One of God, then now anything else could sound pretty good. Because there are all the other forms of worship, religion, all that, they got some good elements in them. I'm telling you, you can study any religion or any movement. Most of them will have certain principles that's consistent in all of them. Most of them will have love as a foundational thing. Most of them will have some type of belief or faith in something. Different things come when, it, when we get into whether or not all of them be, believe that there's life after death. Yes, 
that there is a resurrection. Those are the type of things that start separating some groups from other groups. And the main separator is the fact that everybody don't accept Jesus as the Son of God. You can have a good religious conversation with a lot of people just talking about God at the G-O-D level. Because everybody will acknowledge they, they believe in a God of some type. Most people will. But the discriminator comes when you have to take that conversation down to Jesus. And so a lot of times Christians now, because we want to be ecumenical and please everybody, we don't like to even introduce Jesus into the conversation. Because he's a deal breaker. Most people don't. Let's just talk about God. Let's just talk about this, this energy out there, this force out there. There, there is something. We believe that's something out there. Let's just keep it at that level and, and everybody can be happy. But then when you say, well, wait a minute, whatever that energy out there got a son. His name is Jesus. Then now the conversation going somewhere else. And so I see a lot of people in the church now are compromising all because they don't want to introduce Jesus into the conversation. And then on the other side of the coin, there's those out there who say, hey, we don't even call him by the right name. You know, we, we, we done took something and we don't even know how to address him at the right name. And they're on the other extreme of that and say, hey, even though we come to church, it looks like we're in the middle and, and there are people out there who think that we don't even have it all together. So you got to make up in your mind what you're going to believe, what you're going to accept. And then once you do that, you're going to have to act on that. You know, I, because I, I, I read a lot, I study the beliefs of Islam and I because we connected to Judaism, you can study the beliefs of the Jews and some of the things they're doing. And, and, and most of the fundamental things of all the religions are good. I mean, they're good. The tenets, they're good. But when it comes to Jesus, that's what it, you can't talk about it like that, like, like he's the son of God. You, you can't talk about him in that regard because in some faith, they, they, they say God is too holy to have a son. Just too holy. He, there's no way a holy God, who we all, we all believe, whether we call him Yah, you know, whether we call him Jehovah, but whatever, he's just too holy to have a son. And we bank our whole religion on that fact that he got a son. Yes, and if we don't bank on that and we don't live that out, then we might as well just go and just say God, God all the time. God, God, God. Everybody love you, just God, God, God. I remember in, in the military, because they knew you saved, they always want you to pray. You know, you have a function, they used to say, hey, will you, pl will you pray at the uh, dining in, dining out, whatever you're having? But they always say, now, can you not use Jesus in your prayer? What? Well, we got a mixed crowd in here. Some of them are Jews, some of them are different faith, and they don't all believe in Jesus. But if you just say God, everybody be okay. I said, man, I, I'm the wrong guy. Because I'm going to say in the name of Jesus somewhere in the prayer. It's just going to slip out. <laughs> if it's at the end of it, I'm going to slip out. So a lot of times, you know, you don't get that call unless you're willing to say, okay, I'm just going to say, you know, thank God for the food. Thank God for this gathering. We thank God for blessing us to have another wonderful year in the Air Force, da-da-da. Amen. That's a good prayer. But if I stay in the name of Jesus, I got to worry about, am I going to offend somebody who's in the audience? And that's why I say sometimes, you know, you may have to 
draw a line and say, hey, if I can't say the name that I believe that's above every name, So those are the type of things when it comes to what you believe. And then, you know, when, when he asked Peter, you know, to the 12, are you going to leave also? Then Peter replied, Lord, again, that word Lord, just translate master. Until you make Jesus the master of your life, you ain't going to truly follow him to the fullest. A lot of people make him savior. We all want a savior. We all want somebody to save us from hell. But then with that comes lordship. And lordship means that now, I submit myself to him and his authority. And, and, and that's, a, that's for a lot of people in the church, it's hard to do. So, yeah, Savior, but Lord, do that mean that whatever he say, you know, he's the boss, I don't have to, I'm not going to argue with him, I'm going to accept his authority over my life and believe that he knows what's best for me? He says, now look, so Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? Then he said, you have the words that give eternal life. Now, we got the best thing going. Your words give life, so why will we leave you? And look what he says. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus, right, then Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you, but one of you is a devil. Now, reading that major right now, if I'm the Seneca guy out there, I'm going to say, well, if you all knowing, you all wise, you know, you control everything, why would you go and pick a devil? That's the argument that you're making the natural. You know, you, you, you chose the 12. Why would you just get 12 good guys since you know all things? You were there in the beginning. In the beginning was the word, like Brother Herb say. Why would you pick a devil? So that brings up an, a good conversation that, well, was Judas a devil when Jesus picked him? Or did he get influenced? And Jesus knew that that influence was going to come. Now, I don't know what the right answer to that is, but Jesus' own words say, one of, I chose the 12 of you, but one is a devil. I don't believe that, you know, I don't want, Major, I wouldn't want nobody to come to me. See, your Savior don't even know how to make a good choice. You serve a Savior who can't even make a good choice. Look at all them devils he done chose sitting up in the church. So what we have to do is look a little deeper than that and say, okay, when that call goes out, you know, people who accept the call of God can still be influenced by the devil. People who, 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 who done been baptized, who, who, who speak in tongues, can still be influenced by the devil. And so what we got to understand is that Jesus made it clear to us that his job is to try to sift us. And, and there's no need of sifting somebody that, that is not in the church because he already got them. His job is to sift those of you who come in the Bible study. That's what he wants. I mean, he, he, he don't want the person that don't come study. He already got them. He don't want the person that don't want to come and fellowship and don't worship him, God, like he should. Or, or even whether he works them at home, in his own private, no, not in a formal church. Man, the devil is looking for folks who are committed to the Lord. That's what he's looking for. That's what he want to sift. So every now and then, you ought to say, man, I know I got a target on my chest. I got a target on my forehead. 
the devil want me. Y'all got to see that. You got to say, man, you, man, don't you know you'll be a valuable asset for him to go back and brag to Jesus? Look here, look, I got your boy Major. You, you know, you said Major was ride or die. You said Major going to be a boy forever. Look here, I got him. He on my team now. Man, that, Brother Anthony. Um, Pastor, it, it talks about Satan being like a sheepdog, driving us to Jesus. Because God is the creator, and he created even Satan. So he uses Satan even for his purposes. He knew that he needed somebody to go ahead and betray Jesus. So Judas has a purpose for being there. It's not just that he just picked willy-lilly. He had a purpose. Okay. And, that, and that's a good, that's a good, good, good comment, then you, because now later on in John, when he, when he talks about Judas and that, you know, the Lord already knew what he was going to do, it kind of, you know, if you're not careful, it'll, it, it, can, it can feel like God is sitting up in heaven playing chess. And, and, and he just decided that, okay, I'm going to take Herb, and I'm going to allow Herb to be this character I'm on my chessboard. And just so happened, I want Herb to be the portrayer. I mean, see, if he's out, he already knows. So he, he wrote the script. So did he write Herb in that place and Herb got to be the one that turned to the devil? And Herb has no say-so in the matter. Ooh, that's, that's, that's kind of tough to think like that, that. No, but I believe that God gave Herb a choice. And from God's point of view, he may know what Herb's going to do, but I don't believe he's telling Herb to do it. But like someone else said, that the enemy got access to us. But even if we look at Job's experience, they negotiated. Job didn't just haul off. I mean, the devil didn't just haul off and attack Job. He said, look, God, look, look, you got a protection around the dude. That's why he loved you so much. You ain't never did nothing to him. And so now when he got permission... He did some things to Job that a lot of us would have turned our back on. We would have been like Job's wife. Hey, man, you look here. This dude done took your family, done took your possession. You know, we're on welfare now. You might as well just go and cuss him and die. Just go and curse him and die. A God that will let that happen to you. And so sometimes when we look at this, man, you know, it, we have to look at it from the standpoint. I always try to come back to the truth that I believe God give all of us a choice, man. I don't think he make the choice for us. I don't, I don't think he just put us on the chessboard and don't give us a choice. I think we make moves and he allows to make those moves. And sometimes we make moves that go contrary to what he want. And then we try to blame him like it's his fault. But I think most of the time he give us a choice today. You know, because I don't believe that was the case. Then now we get into a deeper discussion. I don't have time to get in here. When people start talking about predestination. That if predestination is like God sits up in heaven and he already done determined who's what he won't save, and if that's the case, then some people just, just going through the motions for the, for the sake of going through it. Because God done already determined, you ain't coming. And, and I look to look at it like this from the standpoint, God sent out the call to everybody, to Major and everybody in this room, and he said, to whomsoever will, let him come. Now, he already know from his perspective who coming. 
But everybody else got the call too. Everybody got it. Everybody heard it. But he may know, no matter what Finley hear, Finley ain't coming. So from the beginning, God may have known what Finley's decision was going to be because he all-knowing. But that don't mean he was going to deny Finley the opportunity to make a choice. And so that's teaching is kind of can go either way because there are some people believing that for, to the extreme that God is just playing chess with us and we ain't got no say-so in the matter. But I like to believe that God do give us a choice. We got, still got free will. Amen? So, so, so we, as we look at this, he says now, then Jesus spoke, I chose the 12 of you, but one is the devil. He was speaking of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12 who would later betray him. And that's, we're going to see that later. John talks about this betrayal a lot more in depth than some of the other books. So we'll see that a little bit later when the devil, because John 13 talks about the devil getting into Judah's heart and then uh, uh, causing him to betray Jesus. So now after that dialogue, and we go and transition over to uh, chapter 7. We, we see now Jesus had problem with the crowd that was following him for the wrong reason. Then now we're going to see that everybody in his own house ain't going to believe him. You know, everybody in his family. So, so, so from this point on, most of the time, John now is going to start showing Jesus as the suffering Messiah. He's going to suffer with the unbelief of his family, suffer with the unbelief of, his, of the crowd. Then he's going to suffer with the persecution of the religious leader because all of this is leading to a, 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 a climax that God uh, has put in place for Jesus to die on the cross. And so all these things start to, start to fall in place. Now look at this in, in chapter 7, verse 1. It says, after this, Jesus traveled to Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. Now, Jesus knew what the end game was. He knew that what his assignment was. But he knew that the timing was not his. It was God. And so, therefore, he did things that was consistent with what God wanted him to do. Here at this point in time, he's not going to want to go. But a few minutes later, he's going to say he's going to go there. Okay? And, and, and what we see here is that he's talking now at his, in his hometown. He says, but soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. Now, the festival of shelters took place about six months after Passover, and it was where they commemorate the time when they were in the wilderness living in tents. And they just had a celebration commemorating those events when they was out in the wilderness. And Jesus' brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see you see your miracles. Wow. They, they only was thinking about what he could do as far as a miracle, the outward manifestation. There are a lot of people today who are just looking for something outward, and they don't understand the spiritual and the internal manifestation of God moving in their lives. They're looking for a miracle. So if you, if you perform miracles, people will follow the miracle, but not necessarily follow God. You know, and so his brothers, not even relatives here, Major, these are just anybody, you know, so your followers can see you, see your miracles. And what we got to understand, 
we got to follow Jesus even if we never see what we think is a miracle. Brother Herb? You know, I almost it brought me to the same thing was uh, when Jesus went through the wilderness and uh, when Satan said, hey, won't you uh, jump off this cliff? Since you are the son of God, you know that he will, he will save you. And I'm thinking the same way his brother said, hey, won't you go out there and show who you really are through all these miracles? Then it's all about, about him, in a sense. And that's not what Jesus' mission was. Amen. It's, it's all about the Father. And that time, like he said, is, this was not the right time. So once again, Jesus said, no, I'm not going to show miracles like you decided to say. Amen. Now, and, and look at verse uh, 4. Look what his, his brother said. You can't become famous if you hide like this. See, and you know that, that famous spirit <laughs> is in the church right now. There are a lot of preachers out there who preach to be, they, they, they want to be famous. They, they want some fame. They'll do, man, they're doing some outlandish stuff out there now for fame. I mean, you know, guys are doing stuff that you never thought you'd see preachers do for fame. I mean, and, 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 and what I guess they believe that any news is good news. If someone talking about you. You know, if someone talking about you done did this outlandish thing. I remember talking about uh, he was going to go and harvest marijuana because he want, he want all them, the, the, the weed heads in the church. So he's going to go and get a field and they're going to start harvesting marijuana and they're going to use that to draw people. That's what, what he said that, man. When he started talking that, man, he blew up. Everybody was checking him out. What are you talking about now? And every now and then he's going to come up with something else crazy. I mean, he just say some stuff because he's going to bring attention to that. Now, maybe that is a place for that, but I don't know if God wants us to grow marijuana to help, unless we're going to turn the Rastafarians. Now, if we're going to go Rasta, then yeah, they, marijuana is a part of that religious belief. So that's one of those questions that go back in the brain, fame, you said. Now, some people may say, hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. He's teaching the brothers how to be entrepreneurs. I mean, yeah, that's an entrepreneur spirit that's on him. So he's going to take this field, let them harvest it and grow the marijuana, and then they can make income off the marijuana. I mean, to me, that sounded crazy, but some people say, yeah. Before you know it, it's going to be legal. You might as well go and get, get ahead of the game, because the day is coming when it's going to be legal in all 50 states. So you might as well get ahead of the game, have your field planted, ready to go. Now, I'm not knocking that for medicinal purpose, you know, because all drugs that we take come from something, a plant. But until the law change, as Christians, we can't be lawbreakers. I should have got an amen right there. Huh? The laws. Lawbreakers, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, but that, what I'm trying to tell you, there are a lot of times people are doing things for fame and notoriety. You know, I, I was looking at this. I get these videos all the time because I check out a lot of 
different ministry was going on. I mean, you got preachers out there not letting the folk twerk on the stage with them, man. Surfing, whatever that surfing, that dude did the surfing. He tried to walk it back and they talked about, I don't even know what surfing is, you know. I don't know what that means, but I guess there's something they do. And they did it in the church and, and half of the world church will say, oh, that was great. That was genius. You connecting with the world. And the other half said, man, you done brought the devil right into the worship service. And he ain't now having a good time with everybody. We left the club. I mean, when I got saved, that was the norm back then. It ain't the norm today, I guess. When I got saved, they tried to talk me out the club. They didn't encourage me to keep going. They were trying to pull me out of the club. But now, the mindset is that if I want to be famous, if I can merge these two worlds together, and I can say that I'm doing this to save souls, then I can compromise God's word as long as I believe somebody's getting saved. And that's just a choice that pastors have to make based upon where they are in the Lord or how they interpret God's scriptures. But there's some things going around there now. It just blow your mind. I'm just telling you, man. They, it just, I, when you read about it, you say, this can't be this church. Go ahead and get a mic, Major. I mean, but overall, doesn't that give Christianity a bad name? Because sometimes people associate all Christians together. Yeah. Whether you're doing good or bad. Okay. Uh, uh, if, if I did something and someone knows that I go to Striver and Perfection Ministries and I'm out here acting crazy, then they associate me with this, this church body. Whether everybody here is trying to do the right thing or not. And so it gets, just gives Christianity altogether a bad name. I mean. And, and as children of God, normally whenever the world can come against God, it's normally because of how we are acting in the world. Right. They take what we do and they use it against us or they use it against God. Say, hey, if he's supposed to be all that, why are your children doing it? But now I know that there's such a strong appeal to try to reach this younger generation and, and people saying, okay, Where's that line? Where's the line you can get close enough to that you can reach out to them without crossing the line? You know, and, and that's where I think every pastor got to be, you know, governed himself by his own heart and his own spirit, his own conscience. And, 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 and because some things may be questionable, but some things may be all the way in left field. You know, I wouldn't want, a, I, I, you know, I couldn't go to church and watch a pastor here dancing on the stage like in the world and then somebody come backing it up on him. And they sang a gospel song. I mean, you can Even though it's going to make you famous, you're going to get a thousand hits and a million hits on your page. Ooh, look what they're doing. People do anything for fame, man, I'm telling you. And now with the internet, the way we have it set up and the way the world is, you can be famous instantly if you do something crazy. Now, I'm not saying everything every pastor do is crazy and all that. But that, but that got to be, there's a line out there, and I think that line has become so blurred now that, like you're saying, Major, people who are standing outside looking in don't know the difference between the church and the world. It looks so much alike now that that person say, hey, I don't even need to change nothing. All I need to do is to go up there and give Pastor Bull to my right hand of fellowship, say I want to join the church, and just keep doing what I'm doing. Because 
it looks like we, God no longer has standards. And just because man has done some things does not mean God has changed his standards. And I'm not talking about from a judgmental standpoint, judging what people do, but I do think God still thinks that there ought to be a separation between the sacred and the secular. Amen. I mean, Amen. the Bible speaks a lot about come out from amongst them. Separate yourself from certain things. That means he didn't call us out of the world. No, but we got to know how to represent him in the world. Amen. And, you, and we can't do that if we look just like the world. If we, just, if we say everything, do everything, act like the world, then why would the world need the church? No different than what I'm already doing. So I don't need to come and join your church and give my money to the church. Y'all doing what I'm doing, and y'all paying God at the same time. So, so the point here was that, hey, they wanted Jesus to become famous, man. They, they, man, the brothers, man, look, if you want to become famous, you can't come playing hide. You got to do some crazy stuff. You, you got to get out there. And so look what he, he come back. He says now, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. They, they, they were stuck on the miracles. Get out there and do some more miracles. Therefore, hey, you can become famous. But he was already famous. He already had folks following him. But they just wanted him on a timetable. At this particular moment, he didn't want to be on. Okay? Jesus replied, now is not the time for me to go, to go. but you can go anytime. So he told him, hey, you know, y'all go ahead and go. You want to go? Go. Now later he's going to come back and go, but he's going to go for, with a different mindset. Look at this. He says, the world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. See, it used to be a time in the church people would call evil evil. Now today, we don't like talking about evil. You look at Christian TV now, we very seldom people talking about evil anymore. They just don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. They don't want to offend nobody. So we talk about messages that don't address the ills of our society or the culture that we live in. Because once you start talking about evil, then people are going to say, well, you're being judgmental. Now, I'm just reading the Bible. If God said evil, it don't make no difference who's doing it, whether I'm doing it or anybody else doing it. If God has called something evil, it's evil, whether I agree with it or not. And so sometimes I don't believe all messages got to be you're going to hell, fire and brimstone. I'm not that type of guy. But at the same time, you got to take God's word for what it is. And if God has defined certain things as evil, we can't justify just because the world has said it's okay. And it's so easy to say, hey, let, you know, just let the world, the world going to do what the world do. That, that system is going to be there. The devil runs that system, that world system. It's going to be there. And so therefore, our job is to be light in the world. Not to become darkness along with the world, because God called us out of darkness. Amen. And he wants us to try to do our best to walk in the light. He says, you go on, I'm not going to this festival, because my time has not yet come. Now then, now, shortly after that, in verse 10, Jesus now is going to go and start teaching. We're going to see him teaching openly in the synagogue. Now, whatever changed his mind, we don't know. He says, but after this, after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, but secretly, 
staying out of public view. So again, trying to protect his time because he know what time, his timetable the, the father had him on, but now this time, staying out of public view, he find himself in a teaching moment. Look at this. Then the, the, the Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anyone had seen him. Again, because they were trying to set up the perfect time to, you know, seeking they take him out because they know he was a threat to the system. He was a threat to what they were teaching and believing. And so therefore, you know, people have killed more people in the name of religion than you can probably imagine. I mean, religious hatred and religious stuff, you know, just go back and just trace history, even the history of Christianity. There was a, there was a lot of people that were killed under the banner of the cross during the Christian crusades. Kill a lot of people. That, that's why, you know, I know uh, a couple years ago, they was going to have an operation over in Saudi, I think it was Iraq. It was going to be called some type of crusade, you know. And the minute that word crusade hit there, it stayed in the press just less than an hour. They changed the name of the operation because they knew that crusade means something different to a Muslim country than to do a Christian country. You know, just crusade, something like that. Man, that name changed just like that because they knew when they, when they heard that, their interpretation of a crusade is when these folks came through here under the banner of the cross killing folk. And, and so what we got to see here is that, you know, religious fighting and religious persecution can be severe, can be tough. People have killed people in the name of religion, thought that they was doing something that God wanted them to do. So now look at this. He says, uh, then a lot of, there was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. So now look at this. Some argued he is a good man, but others said he is nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. So you got two sets of folks talking about Jesus. Some people see him as a good man. Some people say he's just a fraud. That fraud mindset is still there to this day. He was no son of God. He was a fraud. He was just another prophet walking around doing all the other prophets doing, faked his death. He was just a fraud. And if you don't know the truth, you could believe the lie. And so he said, so you got to be in the camp and say, hey, he's a good man. He's the savior of the world. He's a good man. You can't, you can't buy into the fraud. And when people come at you with that argument, then you're going to have to be able to defend what you believe. So again, two camps, still two camps out there today. He's a good man to others, and he's a fraud to the other group who deceive people. Now look at verse 13 and 14. So, so, so pastor, so when, when we as the church don't speak out against certain issues where the church is silent, like a lot of things that's going on now, are we for it or against it by saying nothing, by saying, okay, well, church and state are separate, that's not our business. Shouldn't we be speaking out about certain things that are against God's word? Absolutely. I mean, if something is clearly against God's word, we can't change 
the word of God because culture changed, because the society changed. The society was changing during this time, okay? But the word of God still got to be true. And so, so therefore, just because our culture opened up and started doing a lot of things that go contrary to the word, you got to still say from your standpoint that's wrong, okay? However, you can, you're not condemning anybody for doing whatever they're doing, but you're letting people know, hey, look, I don't condone it. I, I, I'm, my silence is saying I agree with it. I don't agree with it. So, but therefore, at the same time, I'm not going to say I got a heaven or hell to put anybody in. But we live in a, in a, a democratic society where when laws change as Christians, as the church, we have to make up in our mind, is this a law that I think is a godly law that I'm going to follow, or is this a law that I'm not going to follow? You know, and then realize that there may be persecution that come with that. Brother Herb? One of the biggest words that uh, comes to my mind is justice. You know, I mean, that's in the word that we're supposed to fight for justice. Amen. When it's, you know, when it seems unjust, we're supposed to speak out on about, about justice. So I think that is, that is a, uh, uh, a order as a command. Amen. For us. Amen. And, and, and now look at this. Now, after we see that, you know, others thought he was a fraud and deceiver, but look at this. <laughs> look, look at this verse 13, Finley. Check this out. He says, but no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public. God, all these silent Christians, made just what you just said. They ain't got the courage to speak in favor of God's word in public. And here we are shot all from the rooftop. But when we get out there in public, take courage. Amen. It takes courage to stand, like Brother Herb said, if you're going to stand up for injustice, it takes courage to do that. You gotta, we got to be able to do that, not just in here, but we got to be able to do that from the rooftops. If something is wrong, it's wrong. And the church used to have that role to calling out things when it comes to justice and injustice. But now, I think because we done got sidetracked and trying to be famous, we don't take on those causes no more. The church used to be that voice when it comes to justice in our society and our community and stuff like that. But because now we done got sidetracked, we, we look at things and see it's unjust, and we remain silent. So, now look at this. He says, no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public. So, it's easy to talk about Jesus in church. You're supposed to talk about him in here. I mean, there ain't no big testimony because we get up here, praise the Lord. You know, I love Jesus. You know, with all my heart. You know, you, yeah, you in here. You won't say that in here. You wouldn't come, even when I was a heathen, I didn't walk into church and then all of a sudden talk about God in a bad way. When I was unsaved, I knew how to act when I go to church. So now, what he's saying here is that, look, man, we got to have the courage to talk favor about Jesus on our job. The people you work with ought to know you saved. You shouldn't be no clogged Christian. People got to guess whether or not you, they ought to know what you stand for. Amen, when it comes to right and wrong, you ought to have a voice. And, and so what he's saying here is that it takes courage to have a voice. Anybody can be silent, but it takes courage and be ready for the consequence when you speak out. Get a, get a mic. So with the, the famous piece, you know, it sounds like it's on, you know, two different sides, you know. Um, you, you got, I mean, this, you know, reading this passage here, 
you know, what G's about to do that. Him just being his own, what he's called to do, can, is making him famous, you could say. But at the same time, you know, I guess when you're speaking out against something that's, I guess you say, injustice, or say, if it, well, if it's on the other side of the coin, that, that, that can, quote unquote, make you famous as well. So it's kind of a, a two-way street, you know. It's like you, you're speaking out, and then that makes you famous. So if you don't speak up, you know, you're not saying anything like Mary's saying. You're not, you, you're not doing it the way that the Word of God wants you to do it. So I guess, you know, for example, you know, um, I, I don't know, I guess in my head, it's like, isn't, I want to say the goal is to, is, I guess the, the word that keeps throwing me off is the famous piece. Is, is that the goal not to be famous, like, in, in a Christian light? But I guess in my head, that's the way I'm thinking that, that that is the goal, is to be famous in a Christian light, you could say. You know, I do think that when you stand up for what's right, you're going to get, I don't know if, if you're looking for the fame, but you're going to get notoriety. When you start standing up in the midst of something, yes, attention is going to come to you. But if that attention is coming to you for the right cause and you're not doing it for any vain glory, I don't think God got no problem with that. But I think when you're doing things out of vanity and people are not true to what they're saying and the other cause that they're defending. And, and so, uh, uh, yes, if, if, if you was to make a stand right now against something that is controversial, and you speak loud enough against it, then you're gonna, some people are going to start listening to what you got to say. And that, if you want to call that making you famous, but I hope that that famous is giving you the platform to stand for what's right at the right time and to stand for, you know, the Bible talks a lot about justice. So every church in America ought to be about justice because the Bible talks about justice. All throughout the Bible, it talks about justice. So a church that don't have a, a heart for unjust laws and unjust things, it, it, you know, it's hard to believe they're reading the same Bible when it comes to things of that nature. But again, everybody don't put that focus, that emphasis on it. So a lot of things go un, unchecked in, a, in, our, in our culture, in our society. So, so now, about then, verse 14 says, Then midway through the festival, Jesus went to the temple and began to teach. Verse 15. The people were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained, they asked. In other words, they're saying, hey, he, he's in here teaching now, but man, he's not teaching like these rabbis are teaching. How can he know so much? And he ain't even been to rabbi school. He, he, he has not even been to have any formal training. You know, there are some people in the natural are gifted in certain things that they have never went to formal education on. They have just kind of got that gift. They learned, they watched somebody, and they picked it up. But Jesus here, you know, like Brother Herb said, in the beginning, he was. You know, so therefore, he wasn't relying on something that someone else had wrote. He was relying on what he already knew because he had a lot to do with it. Yeah. So, so, so he's saying now, that, that he hasn't been trained, they said. Then look at this. So Jesus told them, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. I'm not trying to dream this thing up. I'm just doing what the one who sent me told me to do. And everything he tells me to teach, I'm going to teach. And so therefore, my wisdom, my knowledge don't come from man. It comes from God. So therefore, we, we can't go wrong for us here on earth when we stand on this Bible as being true. Our wisdom don't come from us. We just read the Bible and then let it, let it fall where it may. 
and then believe that people will receive it. But like Brother Herb say, somewhere it's going to fall on hard ground. That's just life. Somewhere it's going to fall on hard ground. Some people are going to get the word to happen and joy and jump on Sunday. And on Tuesday, they're going to forget everything that they done heard on Sunday. Because they ain't going to let the word take time to get rooted in their heart to where it'll grow. And, and, until they can start using what they've been taught. And then some people going to run out there and go jump right back in them thorns. They got a good word today, but all your friends are thorns. And so at 5 o'clock, you're going to hook up with them again. And so guess what? They're going to choke right out. <laughs> all that good word that Pastor preached on Sunday, choke, choke, gone. By, by 6 o'clock, it's gone. That's tough. But that's how the devil operates, man. And that's why Jesus is so true, man. This word got He's not trying to tell you, don't go with your friends at 5 o'clock. He just said, don't leave him. Take him with you. That's what he's saying. And he wants us to take him with us wherever we go. He said, now, anyone who wants to do the will of the Father, or the will of God, will know whether my teaching is from God or merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor, seek to honor the one who sent him speak truth, not lies. In other words, we stand on what God said, not what we think. You know, and, we, and, and therefore we believe that God's word is the truth, so therefore it is what combats the lie. Now look at this. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obey it. In fact, you are trying to kill me. The law say, thou shalt not kill. And you go to church every Sunday and get the law, and then now on Monday you're trying to kill me. That went viral. <laughs> when Jesus said, look, because he called them out. <laughs> look here. You're right, brother. <laughs> look at him. After he said that, Major, I tell you, Major, you're here trying to kill me, man. You, you, you know, that, that thing, you know, Pastor, get up on Sunday and say that. Major, you in here trying to kill me. Yeah, yeah on a loop, put that on loop. He said, <laughs> he said, now, he says, now, uh, I speak the truth, they're, 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 they're trying to kill me. Then look with the crowd. The crowd replied, you are demon possessed. Now, they done flipped the strip on Jesus. They may, they may, you, 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 you demon-possessed, man. Now, now, Jesus is trying to put him on defense now. You are demon-possessed. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath, and you were amazed. He's going back to now when he healed the man on the Sabbath. Y'all got to go back to the beginning when we went through that earlier. He said, I did one miracle on the Sabbath, and you were amazed. But you work on the Sabbath, too, when you obey Moses' law of circumcision. Actually, this tradition of circumcision began with the patriot, talking about Abraham, long before Moses, long before the law of Moses. So he was saying to them, it's almost like he was saying, you guys got an oxen, and if that oxen fall in a hole on a Sunday, you're going to go get him out. And so now he's saying, hey, look, you're talking about the circumcision, and under the law, you circumcise on the eighth day. Now, if that eighth day fall on the Sabbath, you still perform the circumcision. Even though that's the Sabbath, you still honor that. 
And so what he was trying to say is that if you can do that, then why are you going to get mad because I healed a guy on Sunday? That's what he's saying. He said, for if, it, if the correct time for circumcising, circumcising your son fall on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it. So do it so as not to break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? He said, then look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. In other words, you know, when he had that conversation with them about uh, uh, healing on the Sabbath or doing good on the Sabbath, he's saying, look, y'all are looking at the law on the surface instead of looking at the spirit of the law, which is deeper. And so in God's eye, he don't have a problem with you breaking a law to save somebody's life. Because if we operate under these laws, and some Jews still do with the Sabbath and things like that, and I don't, I don't have no problem with that. That's how they want to operate. But I believe God wants us to do good on Sunday too. I mean, so, so that is not a day where we just say we're going to rest or the Sabbath, we're going to rest and not try to do good. God, if there's a need that needs to be met, on a special humanitarian type need, man, any time to do good is a good time. And so... Yes, we have rules. We have certain things in place. But man, at times, those things have to be adjusted so that the good of, of the kingdom can be served and not just trying to keep something just to be keeping it. You see? And, and so he was trying to get them to look a little bit deeper. And again, the more he get deeper in this conversation with these guys, the more they're going to want to kill him. So it ain't like he going to get through to them. And the, and the point I want you to get out of this now, and I'm done, is that some folk going to be against Jesus all the way to the grave. I mean, you just got to face it. Some people just, just going to be anti for whatever reason. That don't mean we never stop, that we stop trying to reach them. But at some point in time, you just come to the realization that some people just ain't going to accept this gospel. But, that don't, that, but we still must do our, do our responsibility to spread it. We spread it. And we leave it up to God as he looked down and already know who's going to receive, who's not. From our standpoint, we don't know nothing. We've just been told to spread and then believe that the word's going to do what it's intended to do. And sometimes that can be disheartening when you know you don't talk to witness. But the Bible says one plant, another water, but it's God that gives the increase. And so we just need to do our job, do our responsibility, and then go from there. So next week we'll pick up uh, probably verse 25, I think, uh, in the same book, and we should be able to finish it up next week.